Hi, and welcome to episode 21 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is McLean Edwards. McLean's paintings invite us to enter another world where his characters are limited only by our imaginations. He had his first solo exhibition when he was 16 and still in high school. Since then, he's had 30 solo shows and has been a five-time Archibald finalist, and he's been included in the Archibald as a sitter four times. In our conversation, he talks about how his talent was recognised while still at school, but also how he managed to get kicked out of art school and why his firm views on art and painting at that time were unshakable. He also tells some interesting stories about his Archibald portraits of Tim Storia and Kate Blanchett. All the works we talk about can be found on the website talkingwithpainters.com. I started by asking McLean where he was born and where he grew up. I was born in Darwin in 1972, where my father was working for um, ABC Radio. And shortly after that, shortly before Cyclone Tracy, as a matter of fact, my parents left. My father joined the Diplomatic Corps, uh, the Australian Diplomatic Corps, and uh, as such we moved around where he was posted with interim periods in Canberra, but mostly overseas. Um, which is sort of like being an army brat, but with better parties. <laughs> yeah, so right. um, my childhood was normal in as much as my parents were... Um, they were... Actually, no, that's not true. I'd have to say I have an abnormal upbringing. Um, moving around like that all over the world, yeah. you become a bit blasé about things. Um, my, what do you mean? Like, well, my parents had a had a had an almost missionary zeal to educate my brother and I. In so you know, when you're like 11 years old and you're in the Hermitage, and you're being you know shown Picasso's and Gauguin's, you really just want to know when your next ice cream's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, um, they they were. Also, oh, they were they were that was important to them was to to sort of expose you to. Art, Very much culture. so, and and yeah. and they had a lot of artist friends oh, okay. growing up, and I was surrounded by art. Mm. Um, were they? Were they? Did they paint or draw anything themselves? Um, my mother, my mother had ambitions in that direction, but f- she was um, a self-described refo. Um, and what do you mean? Well, she was born in a camp in Germany in '46, a refugee camp, mm. and her parents came out here with her great-grandfather. In those days, I can't speak for her, but in, the, uh, in those days, I think, you know, she, she was presented with an, uh, the opportunity of going to secretarial college or uh, marrying or, you know, being a typist. Yeah. And... When she announced her intentions to go to art school, I think my grandfather sort of did everything in his power to circumvent that. So that's not to say that mum was in any way a frustrated artist or anything, but she had a keen eye mm. for the arts and was very diligent and um, manifestly processed a series of environments where my brother and I were exposed to art. And, um, and it was always very encouraging. 
right up until, you know, I was about 16 and started asking for more money. <laughs> <laughs> so what, So I take it then that you were drawing from an early age? Correct. Um, just like any other child. Mm. And I think I wouldn't be alone in saying the only difference between artists and everybody else is we keep on drawing. But not growing up in Australia per se, there was a series of boarding schools for me and international schools. And um, How did you find that? Um, it was just life. It was, it was the way it was. But I recognise now that it probably wasn't the most stable way to be brought up. But once again, you, you, you know, you're exposed to a, a few things and um, as I get older and experience more as a father and as a husband, I empathise more with, with the challenges that my parents had and everything. Mm. That being said, it was also the 70s and who gave a shit really? Yeah, they yeah. were having a great time, I'm yeah. sure. Well, I think parenting wasn't as sort of um, focused on as it is now. No. We, all, we all seem to be like taking it very seriously. So where did you go to high school? So was that? Were you I went to a series. Around? I went. Uh, yeah. Well, I went to a series of different places. None of the arson charges were ever proved, Marie. <laughs> um, but no, I went to a series of different boarding schools. But um, I was very fortunate ending up finally at Canberra Grammar School, where. I'm not sure whether there was an appropriate donation to the new library fund on behalf of my parents or not, but I was provided with a... I was provided with a... I had a very sympathetic art teacher and headmaster who was culturally inclined, mm. and they gave me my own studio. Wow. Um, needless to say, uh, you know, I... But they must have seen your talent in order to give you that. That's or amazing. they recognise my absolute disinterest in attending geography classes. <laughs> um, no, I was very fortunate that they allowed me to cultivate that kind of idea of being an artist and everything. And um, so, so did you did you have in your mind then when you were in year twelve, I'm gonna have a show? Well, actually, no. What happened was was that the school had a fate, a school fate, and one of my paintings was, you know, there was a selection of students' paintings. And the late Judy Behan, who ran Chapman Galleries, purchased my painting and offered, offered to um, sell more mm. on my behalf if I, was, if I wanted to make more paintings. And I had my first show when I was 16 in high school. So I owed Judy a debt of gratitude as well. But bear in mind there's a flip side because I went straight into art school after high school. Mm. I didn't have that break, which I, I think is obligatory. I think you should have a, a break between high school and uni. No, they're different worlds. Mm. Mm. So my somewhat self-absorbed, pompous and... Uh, rather pretentious posturing as an artist didn't go down well. You know, I was wearing three-piece suits and <laughs> had a cravat. This is at art school. And the other, Maria, the other students had pet rats and wearing Megadeth <laughs> T-shirts. Did I, I, you get bullied? 
ignore that I think would be a better, <laughs> better. Yeah, right. Better. No, it wasn't the place for me. I had, so you didn't you didn't find sort of like minded people that sort of thought no. Like there? No, I already had firm opinions. And this is Canberra School of Art. Yes, yeah. I already had. Although the the chancellor there, David Williams, was a magnificent man, mm. still is. Um, but he was. Um, I recall when I got kicked out of art school, uh, two things happened. Uh, one was. Uh, uh, my father, quite correctly and totally uh, with commitment and manifest sincerity, asked me, how the fuck do you manage to get kicked out of art school? <laughs> My rejoinder was simply, Dad, with a great degree of fucking difficulty. But I managed it. <laughs> how, uh, okay. How, why? Why? I, I thought I was a dartist. And one of the principal, one of the parts of the foundation criteria was to write an essay and one of them was about Dadism. So I would run up to any lecturer that I saw, whether on the grounds, and scream at the top of my voice, where's the toilet, where's the toilet, and run off. <laughs> now, to my mind, I thought this demonstrated an ample understanding of Dadism. Yet... The 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 the, uh, the lecturers didn't seem to feel. I think there were the police called at one stage, but I, I thought that was an ample demonstration of my grasp uh, and and well-rounded and completely concise understanding of Dadism, and that was my essay. And on that basis, uh, you know, and also an AVO. <laughs> but needless to say, I, I managed to get out of art school, and every. Everybody was happier and... Um, so you totally misunderstood, obviously. I was misunderstood. Oh, well, uh, you know, I had a firm grasp of my identity at that stage. And I, mm. part of the construct then, that, that post-patriarchal... It was, the, it was the early 90s and there was the sort of post-patriarchal deconstruction of, and an examination of, of things. And uh, I subscribed to the... the 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 canon completely, you know, and the general idea was to break down your preconceptions, and I prized my preconceptions, mm. so there was going to be conflict there. And um, but what needless to say, what, so what were your preconceptions? What what were your firm ideas at that point? Um, that I uh, could and should paint according to my own dictates. Um, and I was a voracious reader, and um, there was an abundance of art to be had that, that nurtured, and um, in Canberra, abundance of it, particularly the National Gallery. There was an abundance of art that nurtured and replenished you, and mm. really, and there was there was a it was a it was the nascent postmodern era, and that was the emphasis on the lecturing, mm. which I found at best prosaic and at worst, you know, um, deluded. What did you um, take back in those days? Did you find that was your, you were influenced by? Um, well, there was a couple of things working in tandem with my outlook. One was the, the art that my parents had that I grew up with, which was 
probably a conservative collection to be viewed as now, but it was formative for me. There were Nolans mm. and um, Donald Friends and Norman Lindsay's and, mm. and, and some more... Australia, obviously strong Australian sort of... Well, yeah, uh, yeah, and um, the, the very great and underrated late Nigel Thompson and a few other works. So that's okay. So from the, from the beginning, have you always... I mean, your work is characterised by these figures... You've always been interested in the figure. Has that always mm. been a big part of your work? Yes. Um, I'm not so much interested in representing anatomically correct forms or figures. Mm. I think my stuff's grounded in... Uh, I, I love, you know, distortion and, mm. and um, within a... Within a the, the parameters are not necessarily set, but... Mm. One thing tends to lead to another, and it seems to be natural. And understanding that, and in intuitively interpreting that when you're making a painting, is kind of vital to my uh, process. And would you start with a drawing, or would you start sometimes, just, right. but not generally, no. So generally, you go straight in with the paint. Yes, and I like to draw though. I, yeah, I know. So. I've seen some absolutely brilliant drawings on Instagram that you put on. Yeah, just, oh, just love them. And especially the ink ones. Yeah, I like ink. Ink is ink yeah. is fluid and, and easy. I also like biro. Biro is interesting. Why it's is a, that? What do you like hatch with it or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a nice um, biro effect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you use lots of stuff. I've noticed that you also use like. Do you use coloured pencils or are they pastels? What are those coloured drawings that I see? They're my daughter's textures. Oh, textures, right? They're my daughter's textures. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> for Christmas, she got a whole set, you know, this vast set of textures and... Um, yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, but when you're a kid, you love textures. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, but you don't expect your daddy to steal them. <laughs> <laughs> so will you just, like, sort of be at home doodling with them? Is that... Or... I'm a compulsive doodler. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to use the word doodle. No, I, I'm, I'm, I call them doodles myself. Yeah. Um, Would you like doodle when you're watching TV or something? Depends what's on TV, Maria. <laughs> um, yeah, most of the time, all of the time. And is it always going to... It's usually always going to be a face, start off with a face? Always, yeah. yeah. How did you learn how to draw the face? Um, looking at other paintings. And copying them. So you no, didn't... no, not necessarily. Um, I would set out. Yeah, well, it, it's a funny one because it still happens now. I see something, and I think, oh, that's remarkable. I'm, I'm going to go back to my studio and I'm going to do, do that. It comes out this completely <laughs> different thing, <laughs> and I think, bugger. It was supposed to be like that other one. So, <laughs> you know, like you can be... I don't do por many portraits, per se, of real people, but when I do, it's quite challenging and, mm. and I, I'm aware that I have to obey some fundamental anatomical rule to gain a likeness. Yeah, I think that's really hard. And you do it really well. So that's why I'm sort of wondering when well, you learn how to do oh, it. Oh, that's very kind of you, but... Um, 
uh, not one commission that I've ever undertaken has been a success for all concern. <laughs> there was a West Australian industrialist <laughs> once who commissioned me to paint him and I was so, he was so, uh, I did a sort of version of Porky Pig and submitted that. My then, my then dealer, my then dealer ruefully refunded the money to the, the guy and said, we won't be doing that anymore. I said, no, I don't think we will. <laughs> did he ever see it? Yes, he saw it and, you know, I think he understood my point. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I presume you didn't meet up with him at that point. There was no one. There's been no further contact over the years, no. But mercifully, we sold the, pa- uh, the painting. We sold the painting to somebody else who appreciated. Oh, really? But um, no. So you've got all these things. But if I have to pinpoint a precise kind of process, books generally still books. Even even in this era, I love art books and. Um, I think, oh, that looks really great. I'm, I'm going to do something like that. Yeah. And then something else happens. Well, talking about getting a likeness, you've been a five-time Archibald finalist, which is a great achievement. As a, as a sitter as well. As well as a sitter. I was going to come to that as well, yeah. which is pretty amazing. And Well, I think I could find four times as a sitter, but were there more? I found four of them. And I was thinking there must be a lot more floating around that didn't make finalists, so... You're clearly a much admired painter amongst other painters. No, that doesn't follow. Clearly, I have sort of weird, obtuse, interesting, interesting features that lend themselves to great big six-foot caricatures of my head. <laughs> but and yeah, well, it must be that must be interesting to see all these different interpretations of your face. Look. I've sat for many portraits and I admire greatly a lot of the artists who've painted me, but I always feel I could do a better job. <laughs> and, you know, so. but the Archibald, it's, it's, it's a quixotic attempt at, at, at portraiture, in my view. But um, What's it like? What's it like being a finalist in the Archibald? Well, when I painted Tim Storia, I was... Favoured to win at sports. That bet. was a great painting. Yeah. Thank you very much, Marie. But it was I was uh, favoured to win on sports bet and all the others. Mm. And I knew Sam Leach would win at eighteen to one. I knew he would win. So I called up my father, who had an account at sports bet, and I was favoured to win. And I said, Dad, um, put a thousand bucks on Sam Leach for me. And I suggest you do the same. And he said, well, I'm not going to bet on a horse that's not from my own stable. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Sam. He came in at 18 to 1. Oh, right. So, so you must have been hopeful that year. With, with my portrait yeah. of Tim? Yeah, of Tim Stewart. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. It was actually. a good one. Yeah. I thought it was a very good one. Um, his... Did he like it? Well... I don't know. Eliciting a positive response from Tim is like hitting yourself on the head with a stone. <laughs> um, you get the same result every time. Doesn't stop you doing it. But <laughs> his eldest son, Ben, said that I'd got the eyebrows right. <laughs> and everything about his dad was in the eyebrows. So on that basis, <laughs> on that basis, I, I probably conjured up a good likeness. But I... I 
almost exclusively work from memory. Oh, cheating! So, so we didn't do photographs or anything like that, or anything. Oh I went my up. God. I went up and stayed with them. That's and amazing to get a likeness from memory. That's uh, amazing. Um, well, it's hit and miss, isn't mm. it? I mean, you know, it's the risk. But um, yeah. look, my my position on the prize, as it were, is is very simple. That my objective is to make a painting. Mm that transcends the prize and, and, and it's with some degree of pride that I, I can say that the, my all but one of my Archibald finalist, final paintings have had a life after the Archibald. Mm. You know, they've gone in, mm. you know, and they, they exist as paintings in the world on their own two feet yeah, as yeah. opposed to just a prize painting. And I think that's an important distinction to draw, but mm. there's a lot of focus on the Archibald and um, can't avoid it. I'm a, a portrait painter of sorts. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I've been very fortunate um, with some of the people I've painted. Yeah, well, you, well in 2006 you painted Kate Blanchett. Uh, how did you... Uh, yeah, we was, I was saying that, you know, you, was, you were mentioning that... Um, because there were so many images of her out there that you had to start from scratch. Yeah. But what did that mean? Is that just painting from life? Did you do sketches? Well, that's what life? I meant to say was, to me, um, they just moved out from LA and they seemed like refugees. Um, In what way? Well, perhaps cultural refugees, perhaps yeah, the LA yeah. scene, I don't know. I can't, I can't. But they both remarkably intelligent, charismatic people, but they seem to be on the run, as it were. Um, and is that why you chose that limited palette for that painting? Yeah, I drew, I drew, I drew on, I drew on. I, in that painting, um, they're all holding pieces of paper. Now, at the time I had a kind of overview with the thought that they were presenting... It's got a kind of 1940s patina to it as well, like they're presenting their documents at Ellis Island or something like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, right. But then, of course, Andrew with his scripts and her with her scripts. and yeah. So there was that, that interplay between... So that was one occasion where a portrait and the narrative devices just seemed to gel in an organic, natural way. I didn't intend for them to be all holding paper, but for various reasons, that it was a... Uh, it fit. Yeah. yeah they, they seem like you could imagine them with their suitcases on the wharf. Mm. And the kids in those coats with the, you know, the that's hood right. or something, yeah. That's right. You know, sort of like on the wharf from Marseille in 1941, fleeing somewhere, but... Um, mm. And with that, like, and that composition, is that something that you sort of worked out before you started? Well, she's yeah. got a bow on a dress, which I was referring directly to the Dobell portrait of Margaret Ollie. Um, and it's almost, yeah, I read. I read. Dobell had painted that picture, and it was ready to go for the Archibald. It ended up winning, but mm. something was missing. And the last thing he did was painting a bow. And so I had in mind that I would do a frock with a bow, but nobody at the time picked up the, the Yoli reference. That's a direct reference to a previous Archibald painting. I, I think, you know, I think Archibald's great fun. Mm. 
Oh, yeah. So I love uh, it too. Yeah, I think it's a spectacle and, yeah. you know, puts bums on seats. And, oh, you always yeah. love to see who gets hung. And But there's a whole retinue of artists who are defined by it, the prize. And that was something I was wary of, even as a kid. Um, my parents were close friends with a couple of artists who crucified themselves on that thing. Not getting in or mm. not winning getting or... Very disappointed. Yeah, and so mm. I was aware of it quite young. But yeah, it, it, well, I think, I think also, yes, probably people spend... They might spend a few months on it. Yeah, or, or years, yeah. you know. It's, it's yeah. just a... But uh, generally speaking, as a rule, I don't like entering prizes or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your exciting upcoming show in New York with Olsen mm. Gruen. Mm. Uh, it's called Marsupials. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any significance behind the name? Tim Olsen, who, 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 whose press release said, because the, the focus of the gallery is both international and Australian arts, oh, yeah. but he didn't want it to be just uh, a sort of... Australian enclave within the New York art scene and and so as a manner of expressing himself to that for that uh, as that intent he said we're not just a marsupial gallery uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I see. sort of to indicate that you know the majority of marsupials in the world live in Australia yeah so, right and predominantly the paintings that I made for the show have a man and a woman in them and, and not much else um, and I, I kind of made the connection I thought yeah well you know um, a lot of them are of my well they're sort of deformed caricatures of, of people in a relationship in a pouch or whatever the majority all of the paintings in fact have this um, basic duality of, of interdependence between two characters so mm, mm. it seemed applicable mm. and so I utilised it. Yeah, you, you often have those have two characters in, in, in your paintings right. and that, that interrelationship really adds a lot to it, it sort of lends itself to a narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the paintings don't work if the characters, once they're constructed, aren't aware they're in a painting. In what way? Well... A friend of mine, um, Evan Hughes, um, who's, uh, you know, from the Hughes Gallery, and Mm. Evan curated one of my paintings in a show uh, last year, I forget where, it was a corporate environment, and um, there were other artists in there as well, and, and I called Evan up and I said, look, I know some of these other artists don't um, have these concerns, but does my painting look all right? A, in comparison to all the other painters in, in there, um, from Tim Storrier and Nicholas Harding through to um, uh, uh, other artists, um, does, my, does, my, does my painting stack up against them and how's it look? And he... He said the loveliest thing is that McLean, the best, it is one of the better, better of your paintings and the best of your paintings basically stare out at the viewer and say, I'm in a painting. What the fuck are you doing, office boy? And I, I've 
thought, yeah, that's that's a very... I, that uh, is so interesting because I think that is... He's put his finger on something there because... I agree. There seems to be, like, a whole backstory to that character, you know. I mean, we're, yeah. si- we're sitting here in your studio now. We're sitting here... Well, there's an amalgam of, of these creatures. They're an amalgam, like, I might instinctively use my wife's nose or... Um, something I've seen or Mm. a person on the bus, you know. If there's something esoteric that I saw, the shape of an ear or something, I might like to try, but once again I come back to books and, Mm. of course, cinema and... and, Mm. and What what would you get from cinema? Like what sort of things would influence you there? Um, I very much uh, uh, like noir... Or, for instance, you know, there's a lot of films where you could take any particular still from that film and it would be pregnant with possibility. Mm. And a successful painting for me is um, something has happened or something is about to happen, even though they're static. Mm. I don't like to employ movement in my canvases. They are firm and fixed. I think, I think as a painter, it's your job to be as resourceful as possible on all levels. And I don't mind mining my previous work well after the event because I might have missed something when I was, you know... When being, you say mining it, what do you mean? Do you mean well, you can, you, one has a tendency to be overcritical of, of you like the things that are freshest out of the yeah, oven, yeah. but you are you have a hyper sense of criticality. And if you look at something that appeals to you that you've done, I mean, I've been painting professionally. I mean, you know, since I was sixteen, I've been earning a living from painting, and I look back on some things like oh, I missed that the first time round. That's worth extrapolating on and amplifying. Mm. Um, so you can That's look, interesting. Well, you can look at your own stuff in that way yeah. if you can be objective enough. Yeah. And um, well, actually, you know, you can probably easily find out. So there's a balance there, Maria. Yeah. So on one hand, one's just appalled. <laughs> and on the other, you can go, actually, well, that wasn't so bad. I can refine that into another idea that I've got. Yeah. I really like the way you sign your paintings. Well, you can say sign, but you put your age on the, in the That's corner. Right. Um, is that something that you that is sort of part of the composition of the painting, or is that just something that you know? It's become it's become so. Yes, it tidies up that whole mortality. You know, it's mm. art about sex and death. Mm. I mean, that's, that's that's mortality taken care of. I don't need a fifty million pound diamond skull <laughs> to discuss mortality. It's, it's, it's a constant clear. reminder, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if I want to be reminded, actually. We well, spend a lot of our time not, not thinking A lot of about art, it. you know, you know, a lot of art is about that. Yeah, true. So it, it kind of, um, and it's a little reminder to myself to hurry along, get more done. Another thing I'm interested in is finding out from individual artists how uh, they, you know, a bit about their routine or or what conditions they need to get into the zone of painting, you know, painting. Do you find that if you once you turn up to the studio, you're ready to go? Or no, not... No, not nine to five. What do you need to get into that state? Or do you just have to wait till it comes to you? A bit of both, I think. Um, 
you need a routine, but by the same token, you know, you, I, I personally get the guilt. So it's, it's, it's nothing's cooking. Guilt will drive me into the studio yeah. anyway. Do you find having a show looming is, is a good... Yeah, nothing wrong with the deadline. I think it's helpful. Yeah. Um, you know how overstressful it is. So you've got your New York show coming up and then you've got another show coming up in Melbourne with Scott Livesey Galleries in right. November. Yeah. So you'll be busy after coming back from New York, I presume, getting ready for that one. busy in New York. Have you been to New York before? No, this has been my first visit, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah, it sounds exciting. Yeah. Lots to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. all those, all those marvellous paintings, I can't wait. I'm very excited about that. Well, good luck with those shows that are coming up. And Thank you, Maria. I don't think you need luck because I think um, your work's so brilliant. It's oh, going to be a great success. Uh, fingers, and, cro- fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you and thanks so much for your time. It's been my pleasure, Maria. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with McLean. You can go to the website talkingwithpainters.com to find links to things and people we talked about on the show, including a link to Olsen Gruen Gallery. I'll also be uploading a short video on the Talking With Painters YouTube channel in a few days so you can get a look inside McLean's studio. Just search Talking With Painters on YouTube and the playlist should come up. So thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. Actually, talking about Ken Doan, he came into the studio one day and he said, you know, a studio is like a triage ward. You know, you've got the ones that you might be able to save up the front, <laughs> the dodgy ones in the middle, and the ones that are really gone <laughs> up the back. I thought that was a very apt um, allusion to, yeah. to, to the studio life. Yeah.